Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the Way Niagara podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Berta. And if you are one of our Canadian listeners, we just want to say happy Thanksgiving to you this weekend. I do hope that you have some time to reflect and to enjoy this weekend. We have a great conversation coming up today. But before we do, I just want to share a couple things. This past week, October 1st, 2023, we had our first ever Sunday service at Way Niagara. It was a great time, a 45-minute low-anxiety service. Now, you might be asking, what is low-anxiety? It's very simple. We're going to do everything that we can to help people that struggle to maybe be in public places, whether it's social anxiety or PTSD or anything else that may be holding you back. So we're not going to try to force you to shake our hands. We're going to have comfortable, natural light. The music is going to be at a reasonable volume. All things that we believe that will be inviting to you and to your friends. And if you have any other ideas, of course, reach out to us. We want to make this a great experience as we worship God in community together. And so we do encourage you, if you are in the Niagara area, to join us Sundays at 3 p.m. We are meeting at Grassy Gospel Church in Grassy, Ontario for a 45-minute service, 3 p.m. to 3.45. We would really hope that you can make it out. We also have a lot of great things coming up this fall. We have our kids and youth programs that are going to be launching uh, later on uh, this fall season as well. Every other Thursday at the West Lincoln Community Center, we have our mental health and wellness groups. So we really hope that you would just get involved in all of the great things that are going on at Way Niagara. And if you want to learn more, you can go to wayniagara.ca or check us out on social media. So today we are going to start off with a conversation with a friend of ours named Bart Campbell. I will let you in I will let him introduce himself in just a moment and then later on Chris and Steve will continue our conversation in the book of James. So without any further delay, let's get started. One of my favorite things to do on the Way Niagara podcast is to introduce our listeners to the people that I get to hang out with for coffee. So just imagine we are in a coffee shop right now and just having a conversation and you get to listen in. And I am just really excited to welcome my friend, Bart Campbell. Bart, thank you for joining us. This is really great. And uh, so Bart is connected with us in a number of ways, because as we've talked about before, we are partnering with an organization called Anchor Ministerial Fellowship. And Bart is a credentialed minister within Anchor. And so he is a part of our, our Anchor family. But he is also a part of another partnership that we have that we haven't talked too much about on the podcast and we're going to get into that a little bit as well and that is Agora Network Ministries and so Agora is focused on mental health supports um, in the in the Christian world and trying to encourage churches and people 
to you know to grow in their mental health and so we're going to get to know a bit about agora as well but i just want to start with bart just tell me a little bit about your family where you live and uh, and all and all that well um we're living here in hamilton ontario sunny hamilton ontario depending on the day depending on the weather it could be really really sunny or a little smoggy but that's hamilton and known for its steel mills um, I am a lover of God. I am uh, married for over 40 years. I have four children, six grandchildren. I am just truly blessed, truly blessed. I am also a, uh, the minister, pastor at Potter's Clay Ministry, a small, vibrant, spirit-filled uh, fellowship that uh, I have just seen the power of Jesus Christ change and transform the congregation they just truly understand to love god love others that's the basis of the word of god so i am just truly truly blessed i'm an old guy i've worked in uh, many many industries before god called me into ministry and it's uh, just been a wonderful journey since that day that awakening that that uh, um, that moment where um, everything that i knew really became the truth so that's basically my story that is so good. And I know that um, you are passionate about mental health and you have expe- uh, professional experience in that regard. What was it that kind of brought that passion um, into your life? I think it, I think I truly believe it's, it's my upbringing that um, my father, my family in general, uh, struggled with mental health and their issues and addictions and you know um, my mother and father uh, separated my father died uh, in, in the 60s and the my upbringing was very fragmented right I didn't know that it was a broken home until the age of 25 when somebody said hey it's a you know you came from a broken home I never identified it as that but it was that experience growing up that really you know i think planted the seed and my passion for those living on the fringe my sister uh, my older sister has diagnosed schizophrenia has been in and out of hospital for years she is now doing uh, very well she's on the right medications um she's she's older um but you know that living with that seeing that experiencing that again you know watered that seed that was planted when i was young and god took me in that direction he did having worked first at uh, christian horizons and then you know good shepherd you know one the developmental sector you know good shepherd was for supporting individuals in housing as far as mental health is concerned moving from there into the barrett center for crisis support um then going into working at coast so that has been my journey, and God has uh, developed that over the course of time, along with pastoring to individuals for 25, 30 years uh, that have been living on the fringe. I remember doing a Bible study downtown Jackson Square. There was 14 people sitting around having Bible study in the middle of the food court, and half of those having a mental health diagnosis. And God really showed me that people just really need the love of god 
irrelevant to their background, irrelevant to their, their need. People just need the love of God. So that's how that all got started. That's awesome. And it, it does take a special person uh, to be able to engage in those kinds of things. And I just think back to a number of years ago where I was at a church and there was this one individual that had some kind of de- uh, developmental challenges. And this person had ended up going from church to church to church because they were rejected mm-hmm. in so many different situations. They were considered a problem or a challenge to have around. And so when they finally found a church that was really, really great and supportive of him, I had made a comment to one of the pastors. I'm like, you know, I just really appreciate that, you know, you are able to, you know, to be a support and to be, to be kind and, and all this. And, and what he said to me was, because what I was trying to do was to compliment him and to appreciate him but his response was almost confusion that that's something that should even be acknowledged because that was just core to who he was and I think he struggled to see that anyone else would have an issue with this person because he just appreciated and cared for this individual so much and like that was a level of empathy that was just really moving. And so I ask you, Bart, that as you know, you've dealt with so many different people in so many different situations, how have you grown in having empathy for, for people? Just recognizing the need, just knowing, I think part of that is my own experience. Right, and I can relate to many people that are are on the fringe, that that there is a need. You know, I I've worked the streets for quite some time, right? You know, volunteering down at Wesley Center and just seeing, um, that's really where my education was. They it taught the streets really taught me more about the love of God than any book I've ever read, in every any course that I've ever taken. I remember sitting at uh, Burger King on, on Main Street, downtown Hamilton, and I saw this gentleman, and, and he was blind, and he was going back and forth and back and forth, and then people were walking back, you know, by him all the time, and all of a sudden, this young guy with all kinds of tattoos and everything else, the least, the person that you would least expect to stop and help, stopped and helped this guy. You know, I was about to get out of my seat and go out, and, and but this guy stopped, and just like, yeah, there's just a need. And I think it's just the understanding that what God has done for me, that God loves me no matter what. No matter what. Wow. And he's made me worthy. And when I look at other people, God loves them also. No matter what. God loves both sinner and saint. No matter what. And he can transform them and change them but he wants to use you and I to be part of that change and that's when we have to come alongside people to minister to help support and encourage them so growing I just have a passion for people to know Jesus Christ that's 
really good, right? That as we become more like Jesus, we become more empathetic and and more compassionate mm-hmm. because that's who Jesus was. You know, I have a, I have a wanted poster in my office, and it's a wanted poster of Jesus Christ. And it's just like that old, you know, the old, you know, B Westerns, this wanted poster. And it's got a picture of him on there. And, you, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly what it says, but, you know, some of it is that wanted Jesus Christ uh, talking about freedom, um, you know, practicing medicine without being a doctor, turning, you know, uh, uh, turning water into wine, you know, freeing people, usual hippie type, long haired beard, wearing, clo- uh, you know, uh, robes and, uh, and sandals, very dangerous men, you know, man. It, but that's the kind of Jesus Christ I know. Jesus Christ is wanted because he just loves people and he's not like was portrayed often in the church holier than thou he walked amongst the people right he went to those that were broken those that were in need you know it's yeah that's the jesus christ i follow and it's really neat even being in your home we're just sitting in bart's living room having a great conversation and right behind him, there is this beautiful thing on the wall that says, believe there is good in the world. But uh, some of the letters are highlighted to say, be the good in the world. Amen. And that is, I think, just a wonderful representation of how, yes, we do need to yeah, have that belief and we do need to see people the way god sees them in order to to have compassion and all of this amen but there's also action to that absolutely if there is going to be good in the world as believers that are carrying the light of christ we need to be the ones that actually actively do that so you have someone that you're talking to that is maybe sees themselves as doing really well Mm -hmm. and they don't really understand those on the fringes and they don't understand why they should go outside of their borders. What would you say to them? Well, part of the challenge for me as a pastor is to get people to self-reflect, to look at themselves and to really see who they are. And, you know, those areas where, and I asked this question to the congregation the other day, you know, it, it, it was from a, um, one of the parishioners who asked me, you know, I'm really struggling with this question. What does God want to steal from me? And really the question is, what does God want to change? And that led to a question, where do you need grace? And it's those areas that we need God's grace that God wants to change. Right? And when we are able to self-reflect and say, yeah, God wants to change this in me, my next question is, where do you need to extend grace to others? And so, you know, when we see other people that bother us, that's where God wants us to extend grace. So oh, that's good. when I tell people, say, look at yourself first. Then look at the world around you. Where you have received grace, God wants you to extend grace. And where you extend grace, God wants you to do something. 
not only within yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit, but with others through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't have to be working in downtown Hamilton or downtown city, whatever, in serving meals or anything else like that. I'm going to tell you a story. You know, I have some, well, the whole congregation is really profound. We often go to, t to Swiss Chalet after, after you know, church. And the congregation goes in there, who's ever there, and they're real. They're who they are, right? They're just across the board. And, you know, people ask us, you know, where you're from and everything else like that. And the congregation just tells people we are a church and we're different. We're, you know, we just, this is who we are. And specifically this one couple reached out to the waitress. And the waitress shared her story. We didn't go to Swish LA for a little while. And after about two months, we went back in, we met, and the waitress comes up to me, up to us, actually, and says, I've been waiting to talk to you people. I have missed you so much. And then she says, I lost my son to addiction. She wanted to talk to us about her hurt and her pain. She didn't come to the church, but she knew who we were or who we are. She knew it was safe. She knew that we cared. And she became to understand it's because of our love for Jesus Christ. We make a difference no matter where we go, no matter what we do, if we do it purposefully. We live life. There's no life outside of Jesus Christ. There isn't. And we live that. We live that light into the world. We take that light into the world. And that waitress... Swiss Chalet saw the light of Christ in us. We never asked her. Did she, we never said, hey, you have to have say the sinner's prayer. We, none of that. None of that. This is who we are. Come into the light. Come into the light. There's something powerful in regularly going to places. Absolutely that I uh, had a mentor in my early days in ministry that, you know, advised me, go to the same restaurant on a consistent basis so you can get to know the staff and that you can kind of be available when moments like that come. And it's not that's not preaching at them. That's not no. handing out tracts. That's none of that stuff. It's consistent kindness consistent openness that will that will just make that demonstration and so I've really taken that to heart like you have some certain places that I like to frequent and you know with that desire that you know at some point just by being available just by being present let me, let me ask you a question. Of course. Okay. God wrote the Bible. Who do you write the Bible to? Hmm. I would say all people. But what's the majority of his, of his audience? Well, I would say it was the people at that time, right? The, the, Jewish, the Jewish community. Most of it was the church. 
most of it was the church. Here, I'm giving you instructions. I, you're, the, you're, you're, you're my follower. I'm giving you instructions, right? How to do, what to do, and how to do it. And he wants us to go out and to share what we've learned in our relationship into the highways and the byways, the businesses, and just be who we are in Christ. Not to preach, just to be the light. David McFarlane, who, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard David McFarlane. He's, I think he's from Australia or South Africa or, you know, he's, he's did a lot of church plants. Um, he said, we had a conference once and he said, you know, sharing the gospel is really easy. He said, when somebody's telling you something and they're hurting, your response should be, wow, I understand. Are you okay if I sh share my story? And part of my story is this what Jesus Christ has done for me. And just share your story. Just share your journey. That alone can give people hope. You don't have to say the sinner's prayer. Yeah. Mind you, if they say, Hey, how do I how do I come to this? Then you definitely share, you know, how to do so. Absolutely. Right? But you don't have to force, you just have to tell your story and talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're right. You have to go out to the restaurants. You have to meet people. We have to engage the world. I said at the conference you know, that we're at, I said we, at difficult times and poor leadership gives the church an opportunity. Like we are seeing more and more mental health issues. We're seeing more and more addictions. We're seeing more and more homelessness. Imagine if the churches all came together and says, hang on a second. We're going to build this apartment building. We're going to start housing people. We're going to start ministering to people. We're going to start equipping people. We're going to start, you know, you know, in helping them to transform and to come to Jesus Christ. We have an incredible opportunity. But we have to get out there. We have to get beyond our front doors. We have to share who we are. We don't have to be holier than thou. We have to be real. We have to be real. Identify our own struggles. Oftentimes, churches will talk about outreach. And, and, that's, and that's not a bad word, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing. But there's a phrase that, that moves me. That is not reaching out to people, but being within reach of people. I think about when the lady that reached out mm -hmm. to Jesus' garment. Mm -hmm. There there are there is such desperation in this world that we want to be accessible for those that reach out. Yes, at times we are going to be the ones that share and initiate, of course. I'm not saying we don't. But are we accessible? Do we have the time? Do we have the space? Do we have the opportunity to welcome those that wander in to the conversation? I don't think we always are. And, you know, along with, you know, 
being accessible, I also think we have to stress relationship. People don't trust us automatically. You know, but we have to be real and we have to be in relationship with people to get them to know them and what their needs are. And we have to accept them for where they are. We do. That's when the transforming power of Jesus Christ can start. Right? But we have to be in relationship. We do. We do. Jesus Christ walked amongst his people. You know, the seven churches in, in uh, Revelation. I, I walk amongst the lampstands. I walk amongst the church. He was in relationship with people. We have to be in relationship. You know, I had a, a gentleman, we coached hockey, and he jumped up on the boards and right over the glass, and he was yelling and screaming at his kid. You know, 11-year-old boy, and he was just swearing at him right on the ice. And I was coaching at the time, and, and you know, we walked into the dressing room, and he turned to me and point-blank test, like, why are you so damn happy? And I looked him in the <laughs> eye and I said, do you really want to know why? He said, yeah, I really want to know why. And I said, Jesus Christ. And then he turned to me and he says, I wish I knew I, I had your kind of happiness and joy. He said, if you really want to, start meeting with me. And we started doing Bible study. Bible study, Tim Hortons, in public, Bible's open. Changed his life. It was nothing I did. It was only, I truly believe, God working in with in within me and me reflecting his light but willing to be in relationship and not preaching just be who God called you to be you know sometimes broken fallible and with a lot of idiosyncrasies <laughs> I don't know what normal is don't like the word never tried it right we just have to be real real and trusting God in all that we do that is that is so good. And I think that leads well into what you are a part of with Agora that we are partnering with at Way. And one of the ways that we're doing that is through um, our mental health groups. The curriculum and the, the teaching from that is coming from Agora. Um, but why don't you kind of broadly give us a bit of the Agora kind of story and identity. And then I want to talk a minute about what you're doing specifically. Um, so uh, Agora Network Ministries is birthed out of uh, some very difficult times uh, for the founder, Alan Gallant. Alan Gallant was a, uh, um, a pastor of a mainline church. Um, uh, Alan had a stroke, uh, ended up uh, having, um, becoming very, very dep depressed, was hospitalized, and when he came out of the hospital, he was looking around to see, you know, seeking support from the church and really felt that he was being uh, ostracized or rejected by the church because of his situation, because of his mental health. Um, and so out of that tragedy, out of that difficult time, out of that stroke, out of the depression, uh, God birthed in him a ministry to start teaching the church about um, mental health mental health, equipping the church about mental health. And hopefully, prayerfully, that the church will start reaching out to those with a mental health diagnosis, mental health difficulties, and the support, you know, the, the families that are supporting people with mental health, and teach them and equip them how to minister to individuals that are, that are struggling. 
or you know seeking to maintain and seeking to be to belong and and uh, um, to be loved interesting enough uh, Alan's story um, I have somewhat heard before individuals struggling with depression but it is his wife uh, Bonnie her story really just touched me she shared a story and oh Bonnie won't get too mad at me for sharing this story but she said you know there was such difficult times that here is my minister husband who is gifted and talented and incredibly equipped leading people who now can't function. And she's sitting there saying, what do I do? And how do I support him? In 2005, I had reactive arthritis. I was bedridden for about nine months, and I went to the doctor. And when I was a, after nine months, I went to the doctor. I was getting well. And I said, doc, you know, how this happened? I, I don't ever want this to happen again. And the doctor explained. And on the way out of the doctor's office, my wife turned to me and says, yeah, I can't have, have this happen again. I can't go through this again. And what it really made me realize is that I had reactive arthritis. She supported me. I was bedridden. I couldn't do anything for myself. She supported me in, those, in that nine months. And I came to realize the toll that it took on her. The reason I tell this story is that for every person out there that, has, that struggles with their mental health, they're a support team. And the first, the first you know, layer of that support team is the families. Mm -hmm. And families are saying, how do I support my family member in their, with their mental health? So Agora really wants to teach the church not only to support people with mental health, but to support those that support those with mental health. Every time I go and speak at a church, there's somebody that will come up to me after the presentation, okay, after a conference, and say, you know, I've been going to this church for 20 years. I have struggled with depression, or my family struggles with this, or my something is going on but I never felt free to tell anybody because I'm afraid. But we have to make it okay to be who we are, to be real, and expect to be loved and cared for by the church. Why? Because that's what God tells us to. And I just want you to know, listeners, that as a part of the Way community, we care for you. And we want to be that kind of church that will hear you and Amen. will support you. And so if you want to reach out to us, you can email podcast at wayneiagra.ca and one of our pastors will be in touch with you. We'd love to grab a coffee or just support you in any way that we can. And this is why we're excited to work with Agora and they do seminars and they have group curriculum and all kinds of things that they are doing, speaking at conferences, and we've engaged in a number of these things over the last over the last year. But something new that Agora is doing that I'm really excited about that Bart is overseeing 
is the Agora Christian Support Line. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of the the genesis of that and and where you're at with that. Let me just put it in uh, context is that I'm presently working for, for Coast part-time. And Coast, if you if nobody knows about it, uh, if you don't know about it, is it stands for Crisis Outreach and Support for Mental Health in Hamilton. Um, I man the phones. I'm, my official title is a crisis triage. I triage the calls coming in and decide what the response is going to be, whether that's telephone support or whether that's a Coast Mobile or a 911 call. And so when I started working with uh, Agora Network Ministries, I really felt a call that what's needed in the church and for the Christian community, for the community at large, is some place where somebody, where, where anyone can call and talk to somebody. All of us have difficult times. You know, it could be a situational crisis. It could be a mental health crisis. It could be, you know, any number of things that people just need to talk to, talk about. And so we started the uh, Agora Christian support line August 1st and the intent of the telephone line is to be a support we're not therapists we're not counselors we are followers of Christ that are trained in, in, in mental health and we can provide a listening ear we can help people to navigate whatever the situation is and offer them resources and prayer and encouragement and truly it, we want to be a support line and again it was August 1st we're just getting the word out now. We're contacting the churches and different agencies and, and uh, different community members. We really want to stress that anybody at any given time can call. Unfortunately, it's just manned by myself right at the moment. Um, we monitor the phones Monday through Friday. We will get back to you, but because of limited resources, we can't always be answer the phone right away, but we will get back to you. Uh, so... That's the premise of, of the support line. We just want to be a support for a faith-based support for the community. And as I mentioned, anybody can call. It is inclu inclusive of church leadership and pastors. And, you know, people can remain anonymous. They don't have to disclose a lot of information. It's just people that need to talk. It might be a minister in... Um, Kitchener that says look I'm really struggling with my faith or I'm really struggling how to support people so you know give us a call that's that's what we want to do we want to be a support line and I stress anybody can call just understand we come from a faith based perspective we are followers of Jesus Christ you don't have to go to church you don't have to uh, you know be anybody of faith but we are there for you what we're hoping to do is really connect people with the resources that they need, help to navigate and support it, themselves and, and other individuals, and just give them resources. This is really good. I'm really excited to see where this goes. And the phone number will be in the show notes if you need to call because we want you to be connected to, to the support and the resources that you need. I just wanted to mention to you, Jordan, I really appreciate your statement just a little bit ago where you're encouraging people to call and you'll meet them for coffee. That's amazing. That's, that's just amazing. People need that connection. 
they need to be valued. They need to know that they're important and that we're here for them. That's what the church is. So So I just wanted to mention that. Thank you. Thank you, Bart. And I hope that this was just a good preview to what would happen if you would join Bart and I out for coffee. It, uh, we have great conversations, and I am glad that he was able to uh, join us today. And thank you for inviting me into your home. It's, it's always more personal Absolutely. when we get to do that. And, um, and just remember here, in order to believe there is good in the world, we want to be the good in the world. And I'm going to have to get a picture of that while I'm here. That is so good. And so thank you for being a part of this conversation. Thank you for having me. And I know that God has planted a seed as we go forward, partnering to support the community and just showing the love of God. So thank you again. You've often heard people say that life is a marathon, not a sprint. But these days, things seem to be pushing us to go faster and run harder. And keeping up can tempt us to sacrifice relationships. Pastor and author Glenn Packiam addressed this issue when he said that, yes, we can run faster alone, but we can run further together. Forget the rat race. Invest in relationships and you'll be amazed not only how much more ground you cover, but how great the journey is along the way. Now, wasn't that a great conversation with our friend Bart Campbell? And if you need support, we do encourage you to contact the Agora Christian Support Line. The phone number is 905-385-2275-905-385-2275. That will also be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach out to us, we would love to encourage you in the best way that we can. So email podcast at wayniagara.ca and we would love to be in contact with you. Now we are going to continue on with our study on the book of James. We are still in chapter one. So let's go to Chris and Steve right now. Now verse 16, 17 and 18 says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. By his own church choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. There's some deeply theological implications in this two verses worth of text here. Oh, yeah. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He's not going to change. It's funny because like other translations say, in whom there is no shadow of turning, right? You've heard that probably. Mm-hmm. That he, he doesn't change. He doesn't, there is not even a, there's not even a shadow that's going to spin around him as the sun spins around and, you, you know, you have this shadow of turning because you're standing in one place for a long time. Like, there, is no, there is none of that. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And we're looking at this, you know, walking out of the idea of trials and endurance, and then from being tempted... Um, 
and then you know the idea of of wealth and personal desire and we're ending kind of this block of thought with the idea that every good and perfect gift comes from God and there's no changing what does a good and perfect gift look like yeah when I could think about good and perfect gifts one of the things that I try to do when I'm trying to be healthy is get down by the river and I talk about this a lot and sometimes for me all it takes is a bird hmm. flying by singing and that can change my day that yeah. brief moment it is so good hmm. and it is just a gift from God to really feel and understand that that bird may not be having the best day but it is happy because it is God's it is taken care of and that is a nice little gift to me that he let me see that and think about that today. Mm. It's just my perspective, but that's what I see when I'm reading this. It's every good and perfect gift. Mm. And I think it relates back to before when we were talking about desires. And we were talking about godly desires. And, you know, having a perfect gift is a desire that God gives you, you know, to do and to use your talents and your, your spiritual gifts to serve others. Um, and when you have, when you have the, the fruit that you're bearing, you know, you're looking at it, seeing people's lives change. You're seeing your community and culture change. Like there's no doubting the source of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where sometimes I think, you know, you can, to a degree, as a leader, an experienced leader, manufacture uh, an experience at church. But you can't manufacture fruit. <laughs> you can't. The fruit is born by the Spirit of God, right? Mm -hmm. And by discipleship. And by seeing life change in other people. And, like, you can manufacture a moment... You can manufacture a, a, an experiential feeling, but you can't fake fruit. And that's why fruit of the spirit is like such an important conversation for churches to be having. Like, do we see these things? Like, forget about your measure of how many butts are in our seats and how much money are we bringing in and how many baptisms and how many salvations. What about the measure of the fruit of the spirit we've been given? Mm-hmm. Like, have we seen that growing and manifesting in people around us? Because we know that those are gifts from the Father, right? They're not something that is faked. Those are things that produce in people's lives. You know, we're talking about the idea of like, you know, sin, sinful desire is conceived and then it gives birth. And then when it, it, it fully grows, it gives birth to death, like, the opposite is absolutely true when it comes to spiritual things, right? When it's from God, right? That, 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 those fruits of the Spirit grow and grow and grow and people become all of those things, right? Goodness, gentle, faithful, self-control. Like you look at all of these beautiful things. And I think this whole entire, you know, portion of Scripture we've gone through is pointing us towards those fruits of the Spirit, saying, like, we need to see this more in people, right? To see the maturity of another human, 
to witness that completion that we were talking about prior and to talk about like the idea of like asking for wisdom all of those things are are pointing us towards examining the fruits of the spirit in our life do i have those things do i have self-control how is my patience man how is my patience guys you know, than mine. you know what i mean like the ability to see how you're doing is found in the fruits that you bear mm-hmm. right you want to have a good pulse check on how your ministry is doing what fruits is it bearing is it healthy fruit or is it just sugar-coated nonsense well and you actually you lead me into one of the things i was looking at is when we're looking at verse 18 by his own choice he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we could be a kind of first fruits of his creatures mm-hmm. now the interesting thing that stuck out to me was the word first fruits yes first thing was it's one word if you're looking it up that mm-hmm. threw me off i thought it was wrong Hmm. Uh, so I looked into it. What is it? What is first fruits? Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like that's the first thing you harvest. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true. What first fruits means is it's the best of the harvest. Yeah. So he's really saying that God set us apart. We are the first fruits. We are the best of his creatures. Yes. And what's even crazier is that first fruits is a, is a word that's often used to describe like the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. in the old testament like you're to bring your first fruits the best thing that you like the unblemished lamb the best apples the best produce you're to bring the first the best and so he's calling us to be the best the first fruits like he's james is literally pointing out that we are to be living sacrifices yeah right the first fruits you know we were created in his image Creatures capable of carrying the mantle of his Holy Spirit's calling to the people around us to be an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, of the righteousness of God, and to present the holiness of our heavenly Savior. Mm -hmm. So we're to live sacrificially, to live bearing fruit, Isn't that beautiful? Absolutely. That he birthed us by the word of truth. He spoke us into existence. Right? It says in in Genesis, the Lord spoke and there was light. He spoke and there was creation. He spoke and there was man formed from the dust of the ground. I relish that. How beautiful it is to be created by God. To have an opportunity to live, to serve God. To bear fruit. To offer up my failings. And know that he brings perfecting. I'm absolutely floored by this. By this thought that he would choose us humans yeah by his own choice right at the beginning of verse 18 to carry out his kingdom on earth until the day jesus returns 
<laughs> to be the ambassadors of what God's will is amongst the people. And also to be the ambassadors of the authority that comes with that when it comes to prayer and freedom and liberating people from addiction and from whatever else ails them. The ability to create touch points where people like the woman with the issue of blood can just reach out and experience Jesus. Get what they need. So beautiful. Well, hasn't this been a great conversation through the book of James so far? Well, thank you, Chris and Steve, for leading us through that today. Be sure to join us next week. We are weekly on the Way Niagara podcast, so be sure to join us as we continue in the book of James. And we also have a great guest joining us next week. So be sure to subscribe on the podcast platform of choice so you never miss out on what is going on on the Way Niagara podcast. And of course, if you want to learn more about everything going on at Way, go to wayniagara.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye for now.